Hello everybody, thank you very much for downloading this episode of the Cinema Catch-Up Club. For more information, you can visit the Cinema Catch-Up Club's official Facebook page. Just search for the Cinema Catch-Up Club. Or you can visit our website, thoughtjarproductions.com. This podcast is available on iTunes and SoundCloud, and we would really appreciate your subscriptions there, so pick your service of choice. For more information about this and other podcasts we produce, please visit thoughtjarproductions.com. And now, for this week's episode. Hello everybody, and welcome to the Cinema Catch-Up Club. I'm your host, Stephen Platt. Thank you very much for downloading this week's episode. This week, it's Star Wars Day! Pew pew! It's coming up. There is a Star Wars Day happening on... Uh, when did when did they do it again? It's oh, let's think about this real hard. Mm, uh, yes, uh, May the fourth is coming up, so obviously May the fourth be with you day. Uh, and following on what is... I suppose, is it a tradition once you've done it twice, or is it a tradition when you've only done it once? I think let's just call it a tradition. I think from now on it's a tradition. Uh, last year we uh, decided to review the first Star Wars film, uh, Star Wars A New Hope. So continuing that tradition on the week of May the 4th, we are doing another Star Wars film, and we have chosen Star Wars Episode Five: The Empire Strikes Back. And as you can already hear, Sarah Curtis is here as our guest who has seen the film. <laughs> Yay! She makes all the noises again and the sound effects. Yes. Zoom, zoom, zoom. Well, you've really taken after um, uh, Admiral Holdo with the with the pew pew. I am Admiral Holdo. Mm. You, secretly. You, you actually do have purple hair. This is true. For the for the uh, listening audience. But uh, it doesn't actually go her colour purple. I tried. Mm. Yes, but you know, there's a bit too much dark side in you. Um, Sarah, are you, are you a doctor yet? Shut up. <laughs> I hate you. No, I'm not a doctor yet, Stephen. I'm still waiting, and I'll be waiting for a very long time. Okay, but you have submitted everything. I have submitted, yes. Excellent. Okay, well, we wait with bated breath. And as we know from your previous um, appearances, that you are something of the big Star Wars fan. Just a bit of an ad, yeah. Um, without, I suppose, going into too much detail as we're in the, the opening section of the show... Where does Empire sit for you in the list of Star Wars films? Because we've got eight episodes and the one current standalone in Rogue One. Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, uh, <laughs> Don't make me rate them. Um, but do, because this is way up there. I think uh, episode five and Rogue One are on par to me with for me as the top top ones. So they're your top two. They're my top two, except you... I can't choose between them. Okay. Because they're my tops for very different reasons. Mm. So, yeah, I'm, I'm not going to try to distinguish that i think that's perfectly fair um although i can already hear at least three other guests who've been on this show going what rogue one is good and scott but- mccardle is crying lots of tears right yeah. now and it's pa- we're recording this on patrick downs's birthday how dare you <laughs> you're welcome <laughs> uh joining us as our guest who has no idea what we're talking about uh and uh is about to see the empire strikes back for the first time it's Justin Merzel Crossley. Hello. Am I showing the fact that I know nothing about Star Wars? I've been so silent. <laughs> Pretty much. Um, just a reminder for the folks at home, Justin, who are you and what do you do? Um, I'm Justin. Um, I've been on the podcast a few times. I am a vampire slash blood taker. Mm-hmm. Um, you are dressed as a, a phlebotomist indeed, today. That's right. I have, I have come in phlebotomist wares, mm-hmm. in my vampire wares today. Um, mm-hmm. And I also run Hand in Hand Theatre Company. 
Indeed. Um, do you have a favourite blood type? <laughs> um, let's say Opoz. That's my blood. It's very good blood. Yeah. yeah. Sounds uh-huh. pretty positive to me. Yeah. 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 Okay. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Excellent. And uh, so, so, what is your Star Wars experience? Because the the only thing I know for certain is that you haven't seen this film. What I have, um, like, basically, I've seen bits and pieces of a few different films. I haven't seen any of the new films, um, but I've seen bits and pieces of the new trilogy, and I've seen like a section of um, A New Hope and um, oh, what's the final film? See, I don't know anything about Return Star of the Wars. Jedi. That's the one. Yeah, yeah. Return of the Jedi. Um, and I actually, as I was saying earlier, have listened to the story of Empire Strikes Back on cassette tape, which was an abridged version, but I've never actually watched the film. Have you still got that tape? I probably do not, <laughs> but it would, it would have been a fantastic piece. Because I still have Star a cassette Wars player. Really, yeah. <laughs> Unfortunately, so, lost forever. <laughs> oh, no. Okay, lost so, to childhood. So you've got bits and pieces here, but you, you know the rough idea of of what Star Wars is. Like I know, I, I know there's a certain like massive reveal to come in this movie. Mm-hmm. I know that it's like battles in space and politics and like yeah like a whole there's a resistance and there's a there's an empire that and, and, and they're going to strike back yeah <laughs> <laughs> darth vader's like basically not not that the sith lord has taken over that that Counts. I don't know. Something happened in the first movie, and they like usurped the government and like got rid of all the counselors. And he's stuff he's kind happened. of got it. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I have a, I have a yeah. basic idea. Yeah, and then and then I know that like um, Darth Vader was kind of like a little bit sidelined in the first movie, but he's going to be a lot more prominent in this one. So I, like, I'd say that's reasonably fair. Yeah. I mean, you know, it's yeah, okay. I know you're you're pretty much on board because yeah. obviously uh, last year we had um, your uh, lovely wife Claire on, that's right, and yes. the extent of her knowledge was absolutely nothing. No, um, which was fantastic. <laughs> learning but... about the Force and yeah. and, and not learning about metachlorines and um, and naming um, lightsabers zippy swords yeah. and all sorts. Still, yes. still a better name for it than lightsabers. <laughs> I do like zippy swords and mm. something about C three PO's golden butt. Oh yeah, he has a nice butt. Yeah. cute butt. I think Apparently. is the exact answer. So. Um, yeah, it, it, I think it's going to be... It, it's an interesting one to jump in on as well um, because it, it, Empire is widely regarded as being the best Star Wars film. I mean, it's in Sarah's top two. Maybe it's a top one. Um, I would certainly say if I was going to do a ranking of those films, Empire would definitely be in, in with a more than decent shout of being my favourite. Um, but I've not really thought about it. Sorry, I've got a way you can actually figure out which one's your favorite. Okay. Um, because I've been do- recently doing a rewatch uh, with one of my best friends, Steph, and we started from episode one because mm-hmm. um, we decided to do it in chronological order. Yep. Uh, I've been told that's bad. Don't do it. Uh, but basically, <laughs> the way you can tell how much you like the film is how much you yell at the screen. Okay. Like, for mm. example, um, during episode three, we spent the entire time yelling at the screen. And then you we know. watched Rogue One. We were silent the whole way through. Okay. You know, so yeah, that's that, that, that's actually a pretty good tell for most movies because mm. you have to make it interesting by creating banter. Oh yeah, we mm. had so much banter in Episode Three and Episode mm. Two, especially. But we got to Rogue One. There was no banter except for when the cat jumped on me. And does <laughs> the, that really count? <laughs> but the one thing that I'm I'm going to be thinking about um, while I'm watching this film is that um, from what I remember of A New Hope, I found it quite interesting that it kind of wrapped up in a tight in a, in a tight little package for the most part. Mm. Like um, they had a big ceremony, they kind of they destroyed the Death Star and, and mm. like they all got medals. It kind of felt like 
a complete thing. Because it was saying, supposed to be. It yeah. was supposed to flop. Yeah. Everyone <laughs> thought it was going to yeah. flop, yeah. So, especially the actors. So I'm, I'm going to be quite interested to see how this then ties in and carries on um, in the story. Well, with that being the case, shall we watch the film? Let's do it. Okay, ladies and gentlemen, pop in your DVDs or Blu-rays of whatever edition it is that George Lucas wants us to watch this time and grab your zippy swords as we prepare to watch Star Wars Episode Five: The Empire Strikes Back. Pew pew! Oh no, they're striking back! Pew 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 Maybe, pew, maybe pew. we shouldn't have hit them first. Pew. Oh, Go Welcome back, everybody. We have just finished watching Star Wars Episode 5, The Empire Strikes Back. And by we, I, of course, mean Sarah Curtis. Who's going to speak entirely in uh, a John Williams score. And Justin Mosel Crossley. Hi, I'm sorry I don't have any scores to sing to you. That's okay. I have a score to settle with you. Can you tell who's the fan? So, Justin, uh, that was your first time watching The Empire Strikes Back. Indeed. What did you think? Um, yeah, solid film. Solid mm. film was 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 the um, the impression that that I took out of it. Um, mm. I think I it, it took a little while for me to get into it. Like you, know, you got to get back into that like seventies, eighties mind frame of like accepting some things about film and about. But like, I, I think there are a lot of cool ideas that it introduces and, and I think there's enough plot development um, and interesting little bit, bits and pieces that they throw at you that I could be like, yeah, cool. No, I, I, I can see why it's a really interesting film, why there's mm. lots of people who, who really get on board with this franchise. Yeah. yeah. I, I think that's a, that's a fair assessment. Uh, certainly, I think there are a lot of ideas jammed into this film, um, which which I think is one of the reasons that it stands out as being quite a good Star Wars film. When when did you last watch this film, Sarah? Uh maybe six months ago. Okay, so um in that in that short time period I guess. Um did you notice anything different this time watching it again? Um I feel like right at the beginning I noticed Oh yeah, that's right. Okay, I noticed like this really weird thing. But um right when they're on Hoth and uh Han is looking trying to find Luke, uh he goes to um to go talk to someone with the tauntauns and i noticed there's like a sick one on the floor um and when the medical robots yes. is looking after it, i'd never noticed that i before. have never noticed that before as well but i i saw that this time it was yeah. in my notes that's yeah. like the one new thing i've noticed mm. yay yeah there's a star couple... wars just keeps giving <laughs> well i mean there are a lot of different details packed into a lot of the different shots one which i was keeping an eye out for this time uh, which i don't think i would have ever picked up on is in the scene where the TIE fighters are chasing the Millennium Falcon through the asteroid um, belt, the one of the TIE fighters gets hit and explodes, but you see the pilot bailing out with a little parachute. I've never noticed that. Yeah, I, did, it's, I did not see that at all. It's like maybe three, four frames max. It's I mean, very he's bailing quick. out into space, so like it seems like it wouldn't have helped him much. Well, but I mean, they've established in later films that um, sometimes when you bail out into space, you, you get the parachute. I think that was in Force Awakens. Wasn't there a parachute part? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. and it turns out that's not just a new thing. That was in Empire. Cause I Do was... you think they went back for him, though? Like, I can't see Darth Vader being like, yes, you must go and get him. I mean, it makes sense that if you're being thrown in an explosion in space you want something that's going to try slow you down even if there isn't wind resistance just the sheer fact of having like increasing your mass will will slow you down 
but yeah, I, I, I'd never noticed that before. And I went, oh, oh, that's that's a cool feature. Hmm. Um, Sarah, watching this film for the first time since watching The Last Jedi, mm-hmm. they're kind of the same film. Yeah, I've been saying this for months. Mm. I know that all the other fans are like, oh, it's so different from all the other Star Wars films. No, guys, it's it's not. It's exactly the same film. Yeah, now, obviously, they are different films. They deal with, obviously, different characters on different story arcs and uh, things of that nature. But... The, Obviously, the big criticism of The Force Awakens when it came out was that it's just a new hope, uh, down to the fact that it's all about um, blowing up something like a Death Star is basically what it boils down to. Um, oh, so, yeah, that's, that's it's a bit of a bad through line then if we're now talking about The Last Jedi being... Um... Except no one's noticed it. Like, everyone goes on about how different The Last Jedi is and how different it is to all other canons. Like, they were all butthurt that Force Awakens was too similar. Mm. And now they're annoyed that The Last Jedi was not similar enough. And you're sitting there going, but it has all the same markers. It has all all the same points. We we were talking about this earlier, the magic of tropes, in the sense that people get so up in arms about them. But at the same time, isn't it just nice to have that cushion of a trope Mm. to carry you along and let you go, right, this is the story, this is the arc, these are the characters, this is where it's going to go. I'm I'm, I'm along for the ride. And so... Obviously, Disney and developing the new franchise has just been like, well, these are the movies that people like. They didn't like the first three, the, mm. the prequels. So maybe we should like take some solid influences and try to recreate what made those first films so decent. So maybe that's why there's a lot for drawing on. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. And it's, it, it's interesting. I'm not saying it as a criticism of the film in, or indeed of The Last Jedi, you know, looking at them. It was just that it did really strike me. I'm like, there are a lot more similarities than I realised. So many parallels. I've, I've probably not watched The Empire Strikes Back for a good, solid, like, four or five years. Um, and I do remember watching, as, as we were just watching it then, and going, this is... This is not the best film ever made. So wait, from 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 the credits, uh, oh, sorry, the the trailers that I've seen, does Luke basically become Yoda then? Does he start speaking to to um, Ray Ray in riddles? And okay, I'm just going to say at this, with at this point, uh, for anyone listening in, we may spoil some things about the Last Jedi. I know it's been out for a few months, and you've probably seen it by now, but just in case. We are going to talk about things that may be in that film. Now, Justin, obviously, you, you've you not seen any of the new stuff. I've seen nothing. So we're going to try and keep it vague enough that you can still go okay, and enjoy it. cool. Let's, let's Luke, do our best. Luke assumes a sort of mentorship role, I think is probably the best way to say it. In, mm-hmm. in the same way that Yoda is kind of a mentor in this film, arguably more of a mentor than Luke is to Rey. They're okay. both really shit mentors. <laughs> yeah, they're not great teachers. There's no syllabus. It's... <laughs> There's uh, no exams. I mean, uh, they both fail the exams. Lots of judgment and talking mm. about failure. No. Yeah. Yeah, but um, yeah, there are a few th- themes that are similar. Being on uh, having a battle sequence that involves a trench on a planet with a predominant mineral material um, is is white in appearance. <laughs> uh, obviously, oh. this, yeah, because uh, there, there is a, a battle on a planet which has a, a, a salty surface on uh, the Last Jedi. To the point where they make they have a character run his fingers down on the ground and lick his finger and goes, oh, it's salt. As if just to go, <laughs> this isn't snow, it's not Hoff, guys. <laughs> um, but, yeah. Oh, dear. Uh, and, and there's a few <clears throat> other similarities. I, I, th- I really noticed in this one, Darth Vader and Kylo Ren are much more similar than I realised. Mm-hmm. Um, Darth Vader's quite petulant in this film, and it's brilliant. It's just... It's whiny Anakin Skywalker. Yeah. I mean, come on, he was always a whiny brat. Yeah, and it's just lovely where it's like... Um, 
uh, is it is it um, Admiral Nida who is it's Captain Nida, Captain Nida, and Admiral someone else. Yeah, the the one who made it all the way through to the end of the film. Oh, that's um, Admiral Veers. Yeah, Veers. When Veers is saying uh, they've gone into the asteroid field, sir, and he's just there going, "Well, let's chase after them." He's <laughs> 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 like. Uh, yeah, he's like, he's just being petulant for petulance sake. He's like, we can't go in. We're going to lose too many ships. I don't care about losing ships. We just need to go and get them. Heavy <laughs> do, breathing. Do as I say. Now, now leave my egg pod. Looking <laughs> um, to surprise. Yeah, uh. yeah. He's he's a very bratty, much more bratty than I think I remember. Particularly the first couple of times watching this film as a child as well. Um, and I think that's that is a really key part of watching star wars is watching it as someone who's quite young i I think it it does color your what you remember because i was remembering lots of associated star wars memories but that were nothing to do with the films uh so for example i had a few of the action figures in the um in the mid to late 90s when i first found out about star wars and it was around the time of the 20th anniversary re-release um and i was remembering i used to put my hand solo figurine in a cup of water and freeze it and then oh, pull the pull the ice block out of the cup and have an actual han solo in frozen That's carbonite great. yeah and then yeah that that was always really good fun and then i did it to all the other characters as well so like chewbacca had a go um <laughs> yeah i i pretty much froze That's everyone not canon. yeah oh, but um yeah I, I was having a lot of positive memories i guess about things that were associated with Star Wars. Did you, do you get any of that, Sarah? Yeah, I mean, obviously, I was the little nerd in the late 90s who was reading all the Extended Universe books mm. back when they were canon. Mm. Um, so, you know, whenever I see anything uh, about Han and Chewie getting separated, I think about how Chewie dies tragically in the books mm. many, many years later. Whenever, um, you know, I just think of, like, all the different relationship things that happen there and the way that they bring the Jedi Academy back in, you know, later books. Mm. And then how none of that happens in the films. Mm. And, you know, I get really sad because it's a really rich, diverse canon. And I think about how much I love Wedge as a character. Yeah. Like, in the films, he's barely there. He's like this guy who has a ship who shoots things. Mm. Um, but in the books, he is a great character and he's a mm. really interesting character to follow. And I'm just like, oh, it's Wedge. No one cares. Okay. Mm. So the film starts uh, with the traditional title crawl, although we did uh, note that they said that Luke Skywalker was leading. The... He's so not. He's... I was so angry. A leader, would, a leader wouldn't be out scouting at the start of the film in the, in the frozen tundra. It completely ignores General um, Riken and Leia, who mm. were like the two commanding officers there. Nah, Luke's in charge. Um... Yeah, it just kind of seems like Luke's clearly done a lot of climbing in his six months in the Rebellion, except not. Yeah, like yeah. the general obviously isn't important enough to, to really get put in the crawl, because like you hear his name once and then he disappears. But what about Leia? Like she's further up in the command structure, but mm. no, she's a woman. Yeah, she's got five lozenges on her jacket or whatever that colouring <laughs> command structure is. Um, but no, yeah, Luke's the one we care about, guys. What do you want about? Mm. Yeah, but we start, Ron Hoff, uh, Luke and Han are patrolling on their uh, tauntauns. Tauntauns, Tauntauns, yeah. I don't know whether it's claymation or whether it's some sort of um, weird basic CGI, but Mm. yeah, they're tauntaun, faraway tauntaun shots. I I believe a lot of the, like particularly a lot of the rotoscoped shots shots, um, are of uh, stop motion animation. So kind of like a... Uh, Harryhausen, uh, you know, where they did the skeletons and Jason and the Argonauts. Mm-hmm. That it's sort of like a more detailed version of that. And then, of course, any close-ups there sat on a puppet. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and 
the puppets look great. Yeah. I'm really, really impressed with the, with the quality of the puppets. Throughout yeah. the film, uh, mm-hmm. there were amazing puppets. I'm um, assuming that's all Jim Henson, all of it, or... Jim Henson was certainly... Uh, the Jim Henson company was certainly consulted, um, and indeed Frank Oz is obviously operating and yeah. the voice of Yoda. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, there were Henson puppeteers on... And you can see, you can just tell with the quality. It's, mm. it's, it is really lovely. Um, and also some pretty great costumes that aren't necessarily puppets, like the Wampa. Mm. Yeah, uh, which yeah. comes up and, and knocks Luke off his tauntaun and kills the tauntaun and hangs him upside down in the ice cave. That's a it's a, still a very effective costume. Yeah. Um, seeing... Although the um, the killing of the um, what you call it, the the tauntaun was probably a little bit uh, could have been done better. <laughs> well, arguably, but you know I think it worked pretty well. You saw the hand grabbing the face and the tauntaun going. Uh, uh. <laughs> Although okay, here's uh, one of my favorite deleted scenes mm. from Star Wars um, is an episode five deleted scene where when they're fleeing Hoth, um, there's a door which has a danger do not go in here sign, and three PO rips it down, and then the stormtroopers come in, they open the door, and um, a Wampa comes out and like kills them. Because, <laughs> oh, is that is is that not in? <laughs> no, it's not oh. in the actual film. But it's a deleted scene. And you're just like three PO, you little shit. Dang, Dang, that would have been a good scene. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> so why have they just locked up a rabid tauntaun? I think it's, I think it's because the base. You know, they're still setting up the base. Hmm. So either it got in there, or it was like this system of caves, and they'd put doors in there, and they realized that there was a couple back there. So hmm. they're like, shit, let's just like close the doors yeah. so they can't get at us. Put a warning sign on. Yeah. Oh man! It's like a bit of stripper paper, and Thrupio's like, "Yeah, no, nah. that'll be fine." No, yeah, I really we, wish we, we could we could like take care of them, or God, you know, just just kill them or something. But no, let's yeah. just put mm. them behind a door. Just in a... case, there's yeah. a sticker on the door, guys. We have a system, okay? <laughs> so uh, Luke, Luke is attacked and escapes uh, by. Um, using the force to get his lightsaber to cut him out and then knock the arm off the Wamper and stumble out into the snow. Which, once again, like we thought, I, I was just thinking, if he managed to knock the arm off the Wamper, why couldn't he just have killed the Wamper? I mean, he could have done that, but I, I think also he's just like, nope, out of here, yeah. goodbye. <laughs> um, and he stumbles out into the snow and he's lying there in the, in the, in the drift and then he sees the ghost of Obi-Wan Kenobi Ooh. killed in the previous film. Um, and... Alec Guinness is stood there looking a bit bored. Yeah. <laughs> to be fair, yes. he hated these films. Once, he did. Once again, something that I was thinking that, that I did mention while we were watching was um, I, I would have it would have been good or interesting to be able to frame that more as as a dream, as as something that Luke's not sure about because I guess the way that it's filmed. I don't know, maybe that's just the style of film at the time, but um, it to the audience, it doesn't lend itself to that idea. It's very clear and crisp to us. We take that as very literal, and then it's very hard for us to then step back into Luke's perspective and go, oh, wait, no, he's not sure about this. This could have been a dream. He doesn't know whether it's real or not. Um, he's, he's questioning whether he should be going to, to yeah. the Dagobah system. It is also the first time that we see a Force ghost. In the mm. previous film, we heard... Um, Obi-Wan Kenobi talked to Luke from beyond yeah. the grave, but we never saw him. He wasn't in the cockpit going, just your feelings. <laughs> um, we just heard the voice. Whereas to the left, the, no, that way. Whereas I suppose, I suppose now, obviously many years on and, and with more, an audience that's more accepting of one special effects and two, um, are, are more fantasy literate audience mm. generally, that the idea of having a ghost presented in a semi-ethereal way might, work more effectively now whereas i think back then one of the great things about star wars is that they do spell things out they they do hit very simple notes that's mm. part of its um 
its wide charm. That's part of the reason so many people enjoy it because it is a very simple story. When you yeah. break it down, all the stories are very simple. It's and basically the Skywalker family screws up yeah. the galaxy <laughs> for everyone. Something, so, something I wanted to bring up quite early in this piece, though, is is that idea of um, watching the Star Wars films as a child and, and, and how that frames um, you know people's love of the movies and, and whether it's like... I don't know whether it's like more difficult to get into them at a, at a later stage, but but whether it's something that that gains a lot from being viewed as a, as as a, as a um a fresh faced person mm. who does, doesn't have all those extra film influences to to question those sorts of things because it does have like there's a strong story core that mm. that carries you through that that you can get interested in and then so if you're not getting bogged down by all the i guess the trappings the the simplicities of it that like I, I i can see why you'd get so passionate about it but it's just something that i guess i seem to struggle get to get into so i'm, I'm just wondering about that idea of having mm. to watch it as a kid versus watching as an adult and mm. getting the same thing we, out of it we have the nostalgia factor yeah of going i remember watching this as a six-year-old i remember watching this uh in the house i grew up in in england and i don't have a huge I, I've got memories from there because I was like eight or nine when we moved away from there. But I have very distinct, uh, clear memories of playing with Star Wars figurines in the back garden and in the living room and watching these films for the first time in that living room um, with the really, really awful spiral carpet pattern. Um, <laughs> but that's just it. And, you know, it's th- th- that connection, I think, is very important to to acknowledge when looking at particularly the original trilogy. And I yeah. think it's something that um, we, we see more and more with the prequel trilogy and the fact that there are obviously people now who are, um, you know, of voting age who um, saw the Star Wars prequels as kids and were like, oh man, Darth Maul was awesome because Darth Maul is awesome. Darth Maul is awesome. But, you know, they're probably there going, General Grievous was kind of cool and the older people like myself and Sarah are going to go, I mean, cool-ish. Yeah, you know. It's a good concept. But yeah, and that's just it. I I think it's just one of those things where, you know, you're, you're, um, when you encounter these films, I think is a big part of of the enjoyment of them to an extent Um, because they are relatively simple. And that was part of the reason why I was making connections with the last Jedi is Mm. that it's a very simple story, but there were a few common elements where it was like, Oh look, Luke's being a reckless X-wing pilot flying into danger. (laughs) Hmm. Where did I see that in the cinema about six months ago? (laughs) Oh, Hey Poe Dameron, what are you up to? (laughs) um, There are these, these, these themes which ring again and again, even Han picking up the lightsaber to cut open the Tonton's tummy Mm. to keep Luke alive. I got an immediate flash to um, Finn. to Finn in the forest, which partly probably because it was snowy as well. Mm. But Finn picking up a blue lightsaber, that same lightsaber, the exact same lightsaber. Um, and activating that when he's not a, a, a force sensitive character at all. And so seeing him do that and seeing Han do that, it's just little connections there. And I think part of those connections are on an individual basis. Like I'm aware I've made that connection, but five other people might not five other people might just go oh this is the bit where han cuts open the tummy and all the guts spill out oh, so is there is there a whole thing where people who aren't into who aren't connected with the force can't use lightsabers I, I don't know that well, it's, no, it, the... it, it, anyone can pick up a lightsaber and turn it on it's basically a very aggressive torch but... <laughs> yeah, i mean as a jedi you make it yourself and yeah. only jedi can make them but the thing mm-hmm. with finn and the lightsaber is there was so much um before the movie came out 
um, all of the um, the, sh- the stills that we could see and all the trailers, um, there were lots of figurines with him with a lightsaber. Mm-hmm. So everyone thought that he was a Jedi. Oh. And everyone was like, yeah, first black Jedi. Well, except for, you know, Mace Windu. But like first like big main character who is, yeah, this is going to be fantastic. And they got super disappointed when mm. he wasn't force sensitive because there was this huge expectation that he was going to be like the next amazing big thing. And then it was Rey. Um, who is also also awesome, but like was like, yeah, maybe we can have two. It's like, no, you can only have one Jedi in this mm. film. There's only room for one new main character who is a Jedi. Yeah, and so yeah, it's 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 very much then mirroring the other films as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. it's you know, it, it, it and it's and it's all about that journey about um you know the light side and the dark and you know the prequel trilogy is all about anakin and about how he failed that test essentially uh from well, at least from the the jedi's perspective from my perspective the jedi are evil <laughs> <laughs> and, and, um, and, and, and then i guess it's all about them watching luke on his path and being like he's gonna turn out like his father oh no look mm. at all the things that he's doing that are similar to what his father mm. did oh dear but yeah luke luke's is a story again not to spoil mm-hmm. return of the jedi but luke's is ultimately a story of not following in his father's footsteps. Mm. And then with Ray, we're not sure yet. The story seems to be more about maybe having a binary system um, is not accurate for something like the Force, which is everywhere and all-encompassing. And that's something Luke even discusses in The Last Jedi. You mean the Grey Jedi Code is better? What? Who knew? I know. So much lore that I don't understand. Um, (laughs) Trust me, there's plenty of lore that nobody understands. Because we don't know where we are. (laughs) No one one understands that. Yeah, yeah, we'll just leave that one way. I just, any time they just want to piss off Star Wars fans. Just say that word. (laughs) So... Uh, we're on Hoth. Uh, Luke eventually gets rescued by Han. Um, does Yay. the the uh, trick with the guts to keep him alive, and then the Empire find them. Oh no! Yay. The the uh... can I just make note of how so many times in that first sort of section of the film there are moments where lightsabers just kind of barely touch the sorry lightsabers just barely touch something and then they split open or they crack or they yeah you know, like I said aggressive torch. It's, <laughs> it's a great weapon. Right. I want one. Yeah and. Oh, um, yeah, the the Empire discovers the location of the the rebel base, and so they send down their their attacking force. You know, they send down their soldiers, their barrages, their at ats. <laughs> um, <laughs> that was coming. Yeah. Okay, so uh... I know that at at is the way that they refer to it in the film industry, but eighty eighty just sounds so much better. It's fun aesthetics. Get it right. I have previously always said it eighty eighty, but in my research for this, the official pronunciation is at at. Okay, so I, do it... you call it a GIF? Uh, well, no, but that one... That's that... be- yeah, exactly, right? Yeah. Ignore what the people say. Even if they're official, sometimes they're wrong. You know, you've completely won me over. I'm back <laughs> I'm back on the at which <laughs> is you. which is what I was saying previously. Uh. So, okay. So anyway, the at are uh, walking, <laughs> stomping their way through the through the, um, the, the winter tundra and they're attacking the base. And, uh, oh no, Le- Leia can't escape with the rest of them because she stayed behind too long and a cave collapsed. She's going to have to stay with Han and oh, they're going to have to... Oh no, they're going to have to work out their feelings. Yeah. <laughs> oh no. Because it's not so much sexual tension as like open sexual conflict happening oh, in, yeah. in their early scenes. Oh. Yeah, um, just 
One of the many observations that I made throughout the film was how there was lots of machinery that just, it didn't make sense for them to design it in that way at all, except for the fact that it looks very cool. And so mm. it just worked for the Do film. Do it for the aesthetic. Yeah. yeah. That's what Star Wars is yeah. all about. Yeah, 100%. It just seems like, you know, with the with the ATATs and um, the, later on the observation of a crossbow, um, a, a crossbow laser beam. It looks like, cool. Like, yeah. 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 It's, it's, it, it is aesthetic. And yeah. Um, 100%. Yeah, and and you know part of that aesthetic is simmering sexual tension between it, <laughs> as as people literally cut through it as they walk through the conversation. Yeah, mm. this guy just going, "Oops, excuse me, got to move my arms." And again, that happens in the Last Jedi. Does it? Oh, it's a, it's a deleted scene. Oh, okay. Uh, it's a deleted scene uh, between Finn and Poe, and they're arguing in a hallway as people brush past them and walk between them. Oh, it's yeah? great. Oh, lovely. Yeah. There you go, another connection. Yeah. Um, but yes, uh, Han and Leia clearly have, despite the fact they're on an ice planet, the hots for each other. Um, the hots and, for each other. Yeah, the hots for each other, yeah. They, you know, have been cooped up together. Han's like, look, I gotta go because I've got this bounty on my head, so I'm leaving now. And Leia's like, okay, bye. And he's like, why aren't you chasing me? I thought <laughs> I thought we had a connection. Like, basically, like literally, yeah. this is the first girl I've ever met who's not fawning all over me. How dare mm. she? Yeah, <laughs> so he's like, well, well, fine. And then they're forced into a situation where Han's the only ride out of there basically so it's like quick uh get on the falcon so leia and 3po join uh chewie and han they just about get away before vader basically vader turns up in time to watch them fly off yeah which, <laughs> yeah. which once again I, I thought seemed like bad planning on the empire's part that there was no kind of blockade or anything to, mm. to oh, I, I suppose that they, they chase after the falcon they don't chase after luke he just goes even yeah. though luke was the target mm. whoops and you think after um, he broke a um, a blockade when he was a nine-year-old, he'd know how to do a real good blockade. Yeah, that's true. Anakin should really be able to plan these things. But, uh, <laughs> oh, well. Uh, uh, whoops. <laughs> still, uh, so the Falcon gets away. Luke, uh, having been rescued, takes part in the Battle of Hoth, which obviously ultimately ends in the Empire winning and blowing up the power reactor and forcing the rebels to flee. Mm-hmm. Uh, Luke jumps off in his X-Wing, though, and goes to the Dagobah system, as instructed by the ghostly visage of Obi-Wan Kenobi. Mm-hmm. Uh, Something else I observed when, and, and mentioned in, in the um, viewing was just how much tech it seems that the Rebels keep losing every time they have to move <laughs> bases, and it just feels so disappointing for them. And they have no that money anymore. Yeah, right, that they're, they're clearly underfunded and mm. clearly having to scrounge, and, like... and, and Chewie looks thin, he's not eating. <laughs> <laughs> and... Yeah, <it laughs> and, does... and they're scrounging for technology and... and and, and they have gone. to leave it all. Yeah. Look, you know, uh, when you're fighting an empire, it's it's difficult. You know, yeah. they, they have all the, the resources. Yeah. Like the only person with money anymore was probably Mom Mothma, who doesn't come till episode six. Mm. But, you know, she's the only one who comes from a rich planet because they destroyed the other rich rebel planet of Alderaan in episode four. Mm. So, like, oh you know, they're totally underfunded now. Yeah, and just, just felt so disappointed for them to have to leave all that tech behind and then scrounge for some more tech. Mm. Well, you know, like we say, in later films, they, they do find some other rebel bases where they can uh, yeah, utilize. Yeah, where they abandoned. But yeah, yeah they get smarter. Like, as you see in, at, the, in the, at the end of episode five, they're like, hang on, what if we don't have a base on a planet? What if we have a floating base in space that keeps moving? Oh, dang. Yeah. And that lasts for about three more films, which is... <laughs> <Yay>! uh, <laughs> oh. But, you know, they're, they're, you know, they're scraping by. They're getting through. Mm-hmm. Um, so they escape Hoth. Uh, the, the escape for Leia Han and the rest takes a little bit longer because they're being chased by the uh, the Imperial fleet. They fly into the asteroid belt. Going the film longer, to be honest. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. Uh, but, yeah, they, they escape into the, the asteroid belt. They'd have to be crazy to follow us in here. 
Um, Which, once again, um, um, I mentioned, and I wasn't sure um, if it was the first time that they'd done like this. Let's escape into the into the asteroid field type. Um, yeah, they'll never follow us in here type mm. sequence. But I, I thought that was just quite a cool. That'd be quite cool if, if that is the first iteration of of that idea. I can't because f- it's been used so much. Yeah, I can't think of any that predate this film because this film came out in 1980 um but you know i'm happy to to have anyone who's listening in send me in uh, an example basically saying uh no actually there was a film that was done in this year that that did it george lucas clearly stole this from them (laughs) possibly but you know it works quite well despite the fact that's not how asteroid fields work but never mind um science yeah well like i say this film isn't okay (laughs) this is not a science fiction film at least i i don't I would not classify this film as a science fiction film. Um, I don't. I, I don't think the the reality of the science or or the or the um or the well or the or the or the, or the scientific plausibility mm-hmm. of the world doesn't seem to be important. It isn't. I I would. The reason I say this, uh, and again, just to bring up the the small matter of the PhD that I've been doing, <laughs> um, which is about science fiction. Um, when forming a definition for science fiction although no one can quite agree on what it should be generally they agree the agreement is that it should be a text which um utilizes either previous or existing scientific knowledge and manipulates it or explores it for the purposes of entertainment or education or basically the science is integral and in the star wars films the science isn't important it's it's a fantasy with science fiction dressing um, I mean, it's even set a long time ago in a galaxy far, far away. So, yeah. you know, science fiction is usually futuristic. And mm. even though it looks futuristic to us, it's still a long time ago. Yeah. I, th- I think it's it's basically like this, the science or the, or the tech is just the window dressing. Like it's mm. it, it's just the setting like like a medieval setting, you know, like a like a uh, fantasy setting of, of any kind. It's just yeah. it, it's it's the... The window dressing that the story, the fantasy story can take place in. It's the story of a peasant boy who learns <laughs> magic and fights a dark sorcerer who turns out to be his father. Yeah, Th- that, basically. Like, yeah, no, very much so. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It is it, it is a fairy tale told in space yeah. with crazy tech weapons. Yeah, and again, it's not a criticism of the film to say that it isn't a science fiction film, but I think if you try and view this film through a science fiction lens it falls down in a lot of ways that it doesn't if you're viewing this film as uh fantasy mm-hmm. um and I, I think if you're viewing it as this sort of space opera fantasy then you're going to get more enjoyment out of it um so for example asteroid fields working the way they do or indeed um having sound in space yeah sound in space having parachutes in space um that those sorts of things walking out into onto an asteroid and having gravity yeah. and being able to like not freeze to death yeah. straight away <laughs> yeah it's you know these are all things which uh are, are, these are all troubles which are relieved with with accepting the text as as being not science fiction yeah um but anyway that's just a small digression that i i wanted to make um <laughs> Speaking of small digressions, they hide inside the um, the the. Sock bucket. Well, we don't know at this point that we just think it's a normal cave. Indeed, uh, but, but they inside... hide that in for a fair while before. Yeah, it's got to be at least a couple of weeks, right? <laughs> because otherwise, Luke has been on Dagobah for not very long, and he's already failing in well, his like training. A few hours. <laughs> what is there a is there a time dilation issue in Empire? <laughs> does does that crop up in maybe say Episode Eight? What? <laughs> Never where, think of that. where one character is with like a mystic Jedi trainer for what seems like an improbably long time compared to the other characters doing the weird side quest. With their side quest that 
in only the last 18 hours. Yeah. <laughs> Although, admittedly, the, the side quest of hiding in a... It's essentially Moby Dick's belly. It, oh, it, yeah. doing, doing Space Jonah and the Space World yeah. was much more <laughs> interesting uh. than um, Casino Planet. Than going to Space Monaco in Episode 8. But, okay, this is Star Wars Episode 5. That's what we're reviewing. <laughs> Let's return to it uh, by by examining the fact that Luke does make it to Dagobah, yeah. mm-hmm. uh, this jungle planet. He crashes the X-Wing. Oh, no, R2-D2 gets oh dropped in the water and covered in mud. And How will he survive? Attacked by a sort of shark thing. There's but, always a bigger fish. Yeah. <laughs> and then uh, um, a weird green creature turns up going... Who is this? Um, uh, speaking this, like Fozzie Bear. Yeah, yeah. And uh, it turns out this is the Jedi Master Yoda. Spoilers! Um, Although we don't find that out for a little bit. R2 and Yoda have met. Mm. And I mean, obviously, when they made this film, they didn't know that was going to be the case. Because Mm. in the prequel trilogy, R2 and Yoda are kind of like, not like hanging out all the time, but they're in the same location, Mm. you know. They know each other by sight. Yeah, Yeah. at the the end of episode one, when the Gungans get the weird glowing ball in that ceremony on the boo. Like, you know, (laughs) R2's there. I'm pretty sure Yoda is there as well. I understood, like... Five of those yeah. words, maybe. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's all you needed to understand. <laughs> yeah. Uh, R2D2 and uh, Yoda have their little fight over the, the sausage and the torch or whatever it is they're having their fight about. Playing find the sausage? Uh, yeah. Oh, oh that's right. Oh, the phallic sort of stuff yeah. going on. Well, yeah. there's, that, there's one, that one shot after he pulls the X Wing out, and yeah. we just sort of halfway down the X-Wing and it just looks like a giant yeah. metal penis. Super basically. phallic. Yeah, and uh, Luke's touching it and it's just kind of like... Oh, and, is... and Yoda has just done his like massive show of I'm so much better than you, yeah. look at me. He's panting a little yeah. bit. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, there is a bit of phallic imagery in this. Oh, um, but yes, the... The the Jedi Master Yoda is found, and Luke is like, "I'm ready to be taught. I'm ready." And Yoda's like, mm, "Don't think so, buddy." You're, uh... Yes, they they go along the standard trope of you're clearly too weak and too young and too silly to be trained by me. Too you're old foolish. to be trained. Yes, yeah, <laughs> you're too old and too young. Huh. You're too foolish and too smart. And, mm. I'm like, yeah. okay, as a teacher, I have a lot of issues with this trope because you see this trope come up a lot. Like, Qui Gon did it to Obi Wan. Obi-Wan did it to Anakin and did it to Luke and then Yoda does it to Luke and like there's so many other stories where like it happens in so many other stories especially fantasy stories Mm. and it's like seriously if you were a better teacher they would be prepared but no you just stand there and judge them instead of actually giving them the tools they need to succeed like Mm. but do you know what I I think the reason why the trope endures is because it's such a classic human thing to be like and and enjoy it's a parenting thing Mm. to be like I've learned this I know this why? Why don't you just know this? Why don't, why don't you have the knowledge that I have? And 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 it's also a thing of like seeing the the flaws in or or or, or seeing the flaws that that you know mm. you have in them, and 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 I guess just kind of like worrying that that's going to come out. And, and it's also yeah. a classic young adult thing um, trope where the the young teenager at this point looks like twenty mm. um, is seeing the flaws in the adults around them. And the adults are always wrong, therefore I must rise up and prove myself because mm. the adults are always wrong, therefore let's... And they're always, they're always looking down on me or yeah. th- thinking that I can't do this. Yeah, yeah. yeah. it's so, a classic thing. Yeah, oh, but it annoys me as a teacher mm. and probably will annoy you as a parent. Yeah, but... It's, I, 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 I Not just that you're fit... quite at that stage yet. <laughs> well, I don't know. Well, she's, yeah, what, she's... 15, 16 weeks at this yeah, point? Yeah, you know, she's she's still learning things. She's, she's... Yeah, yeah, like... But she doesn't know how to walk. Right? God, how... <laughs> shame her. Ha, ah, she's uh, well <laughs> like not not shaming her but but there was a whole thing where we're trying to teach her tummy time and just every time uh, every time that she just have a why I'm like oh, Lily come on this is good for you Justin <laughs> Justin 
can you explain to me what tummy time is? <laughs> <laughs> tummy time is a very important time in every child's life. No, so so basically a child needs to have lots of time on their belly mm. so they can train their head muscles because that's the first, uh, and neck muscles, they're the first um, muscles they're getting, gaining control over. And so they've got to learn to be lifting up their heads and their necks. And, and so that, that's, mm. that's how you train a baby. It's like going to the gym for babies. Oh, like, yeah. Instead yeah. of like Literally. leg day, it's yeah. tummy day. Yeah. So, mm. so you place them on their face and you're mm. like, now get out of that. Mm. <laughs> Literally. <laughs> Lovely. Excellent. Well, mm, that's how you parent, guys. So you are Yoda. <laughs> oh, yes. <laughs> yeah, you are uh, there going. <laughs> yeah, yeah, simple it is. <laughs> yeah, you're there just standing Get up. Head, in you front. must. <laughs> You're there lying down and then you're standing up. And she's going, <laughs> Lily's there going, uh, I don't believe it. And you're going, that's why you failed. <laughs> um, uh. Anyway, um, so meanwhile, um, we have the the escaping Han and Leia and uh, gang. They're, they're in the Millennium Falcon. They're still being chased by the, by the big uh, ships because the... Uh, because they're very bad at hiding it turns out from even in a space well uh, and they do the neat trick of hiding themselves on the ship so they're like latch onto a bit of the ship where there's no windows um, and disappear from radar unluckily for them Boba Fett has seen this before in episode 2 yeah so uh, this is when Darth Vader calls upon the six nearest bounty hunters which just seemed like a complete... Although, I mean, I guess considering he's just wiping out his empire cronies left and right, he really doesn't have a lot of faith in their abilities. I'm not quite mm. sure why he doesn't just get rid of them and bring in a bunch of bounty hunters to do his bidding anyway. Which mm. gives it, us a bit of a timeline as well, because he obviously had to make a call out to the bounty hunters. They had to hear it and go, yep, seems legit. Mm. Come over to the empire, mm. you know, to, to the ship to go, okay, you know, what's the job? So just obviously seems, some time has passed. Just seems like why couldn't you train up a bunch of people within the empire to have the decent abilities that these bounty you mean like have. death troopers mm. Mm. except obviously cool. they just more things bring... i don't know <laughs> yeah exactly just they're all dead bring... yeah they oh, died dang. with chronic oh dang oh yeah that's a fair point yeah yeah oh, he trained he, he okay so in rogue one they have like specially trained death troopers except they all died so mm. no more specially trained death troopers oh for you. dang oh well you know what that's actually a, a pretty good justification yeah. well, we can't train up this new elite task force in such a yeah. short amount of time I, just I'm have just, to bring I'm him just imagining hunters. it now Darth Vader's in his little pod he's, <laughs> uh, he's General uh, Veers is there and he's just there Veers uh, can you uh, get Krennic on the phone please Krennic <laughs> uh, sir yes we need his, his death troopers we, we need to we need to go after them with some specialized death troopers. Uh, sir, Krennic, Krennic died. Do you remember the really, really devastating data breach loss we had on Scarif just before the other equally devastating loss of the Death Star? Oh, yes, that was... I remember now, yes. <laughs> yeah, he, 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 that was actually not that long ago. <laughs> he, he, he died, did he? Yes, yes, he did, Lord Vader. Uh, oh, um... Uh, have you got a yellow pages there? I, I just, <laughs> I'll, I'm gonna call in some hired help. <laughs> Who are you gonna call? So um, oh, we're gonna have to phone this one out. Yeah. So uh, the the bounty uh, hunters turn up, um, which consists of obviously um, Boba Fett, best known as being the coolest looking person in the whole Star Wars film, the coolest but, New Zealander in space. Yes. Mm. Now. Uh, yes. This, please the, explain. Okay. So Boba Fett did not originally have a Kiwi accent. Um, he originally had just kind of like a more sort of generic 
kind of just evil sounding evil sounding like they're no good to me dead yeah um whereas oh. now it's like oh they're no good to me dead boo. oh that, that would have been so much better yeah what but the reason for that is because in the prequel trilogy all the clones you know in attack of the clones um were based off one guy Django fett um and so they they he decided that part of his payment was to have a little kid version of himself boba yeah. fett so yeah. they were all, and he was a kiwi uh, and so basically every clone had this great Kiwi accent and all uh. looked identical to him, which was fantastic, except then all the stuff with old Boba Fett had to be changed. Not to denigrate the people of New Zealand who I'm sure are all lovely and brought as Lord of the Rings, um, but Boba Fett needs to have his original accent back, I, mm. I, I sort of feel. Yeah, he was just like, he was cooler. As, okay, I know that what he's trying to do is to make sure that they all sort of marry well together and everything gels, but as an audience member, I accept that he has a different accent to what he should have. I just, I just accept it. Like maybe he's things. just grown up and changed his voice, or, or 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 he puts on a voice to be like like Batman puts on a voice. Boba Fett can put on a voice. Maybe the helmet is making him have a different voice, like Darth Vader. Or maybe he moved somewhere and just picked up the accent. I mean, I moved to Australia and I picked that accent <laughs> up after five minutes. <laughs> totally. Um, uh. <laughs> but yeah, so we we uh. see Boba Fett and we see the other bounty hunters. So Sarah. Mm. I can name, I think, three of the other bounty hunters. Do you, you, Talk can... to nine-year-old Sarah. She could tell you all of their okay, names. Okay, so IG-88, the robot dude. <laughs> I've forgotten them all. Bosk. Oh, I love Bosk. Yeah, that's the, right. Bosk is the one with... <laughs> he definitely got frozen in carbonite in my Star Wars freezer uh, <laughs> things. And the one who's kind of got like the white bandages around him, is that Dengar? Dengue. It's been a long time. Okay. Like, I, like I said, nine-year-old Sarah could have told you all of them, but current Sarah cannot. I can't believe I know more about Star Wars than you about one thing. Mm. Oh my god. Um, and then <laughs> talk the, to me about the Yuuzhan Vong. Uh, don't know what they are. So moving on. Uh, <laughs> the so the bounty hunters are sent off um, to to try and track them down. Bob. Uh, well, well, they're hired, and then immediately it's like, oh, the Vulcans turned up. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, you guys are pointless now. Yeah, uh, I would have loved to have seen more of that scene play out. Okay, you you all have your your missions. Yes, we do. Uh, is that your accent? Sorry, Brew. Uh, yes, we do. <laughs> so now that you all have your 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 orders, uh, let's go. Let's go. Go find us some rebel scam. So, hey, look over there. Uh, what, what what's that, Cap- uh, General Veers? Uh, what am I looking at? Oh oh, the Falcon. Uh, uh, sorry, guys. It turns out we might be able to. Do this ourselves. Um, you can all leave. So Bit of a balls get, up. We still get paid, right? Uh, no, Bosk. Uh, the money. No. Uh, uh, I, I have altered the deal. Pray <laughs> that I don't alter it Pray further. I do not alter it further. No. So whilst the other bounty hunters are like, oh, well, I guess we can go then. Boba Fett hides in the trash. Cause he's Who's the... our trash son? Yeah. Just uh, so because because I've just remembered it. Um, Just another scene way earlier on um, where um, they have Luke in the water container. It seemed mm-hmm. like there were a lot of scenes um, in this film, like really complicated scenes they put together that then turned out to be pointless due to the story. I just found that interesting that they well, put... I mean, that water scene was more just kind of like, eh, this is a Bacter uh, Yeah, it's not water, it's Bacter. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> but, but yeah. yeah, this is like, this is how we do health a long time ago in a galaxy far, far away. We put you in like a, a soup of goodness um, <laughs> for you to recover. Although I suppose like that's, that's something that happens with Vader, right? So mm. that's like... Yeah. Uh, 
Yeah, Vader kinda gets like... his own back to tank soup of goodness in his ta- um, castle of death on Mustafar mm. in Rogue One. So, mm. so yeah, but it, it is a commonly it, it's a thing that's seen throughout the the universe. Although I think this is the first time we actually see it. Yeah, this is the first time we get back in one of the films. Mm. Uh, but yeah, so the bounty hunters all go away except for Boba Fett, who knows about the the whole trash routine thing. Um, the Millennium Falcon starts to fly off. They're going to go see uh, old mate Lando Calrissian. Who's Gosh, I would nearby. like to know so much more about that backstory. I know. That that friendship between Han and Lando, you could make a whole film out of you that. You could, like at least two hours. Yeah. And you know what? I'd probably pay to see it in about three weeks. <laughs> oh, that um, sounds good to me. So the, um, yeah, so so the Millennium Falcon makes it way little knowing they were being tracked by Boba Fett and his mm. ship, the Slave One. And then... It's a nice name for a ship. Yeah, mm-hmm. and you know he's a bad guy, so it makes sense that his ship's called Slave. Mm-hmm. Although Slave yeah. One, like, because there's a slave. Where two. was the end? Yeah, but did he buy them both at the same time? And he <laughs> just went Slave One because if you if you bought your first ship not knowing that you were going to get a second ship, you just call it the Slave. I just shoot. No, that doesn't sound as good. Like again, for aesthetics, it's going to sound awesome. Oh, Slave One, boo. Yeah, <laughs> but yeah, like it also good, like it makes sense because like he spends so much time on Tatooine and other places with slavery still, you know, being a thing. Yeah, yeah, that's true. Okay, fair enough. So, uh, the Falcon makes its way to uh, Bespin to the city in the clouds. Um, Which, very cool shot um, that where they fly into the um, city. I just thought that was a really yeah. Awesome and it's aesthetic. interesting that a lot of that they do a lot of models, but they also do a lot of matte painting. Mm. Um, so. They did a little bit in Lord of the Rings as well, where basically they just paint up a really realistic looking thing and put the camera on it just enough, like with smoke attached to it, so it looks really cool, and then they mm. cut away before you can tell. Yeah, mm. like the big uh, the big pit that uh, Luke falls down is a matte painting mm. when you first oh, wow. see that. Yeah, when he's hanging above the the thing. So yeah, it's it. They do some really impressive stuff with that, and Bespin still looks great. Mm, it's so pretty. Even the bits that they put in from the 1997 re-release don't look terrible. Well, okay, there's that one shot where Leia is standing out looking at the window with her mm. new outfit, looking amazing because yeah. it's a great outfit. And like usually it's just her looking at the clouds, but in the remake they added in the the ship that, that flies. Oh yeah, the, past the, the two pairs one, of shoes two, that yeah. are tied together. And it's just so awful. <laughs> and it's just not necessary. I know what he was trying to do there, mm. but like the technology wasn't quite there mm. and it just looks really fake like it's been added in later. Yeah. So. But oh well. Uh, so yes, they 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 land on uh, uh, Bespin. And they they're super hungover. Yeah, they, they yes, they are, they are super hungover, which we'll get to in the trivia. <laughs> um, they are introduced to Lando Calrissian. Why you no good son of a nerf herder? What are you doing here? That kind of thing. <laughs> um, you know, Lando's there. He's like, hey Chew, how you doing, Chewbacca? Uh, <laughs> saying it like someone who's never said the word Chewbacca before. <laughs> uh, and then Chewbacca just wastes Han with a very witty retort. We assume. Oh, I yeah. mean, that's what I always always interpreted it as. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Absolutely, oh. just <laughs> some witticism that just tears Han to shreds. Yeah, yeah. and then uh, he meets Leia. He gives her a kiss. Han gets jealous, <laughs> and mm. and has to very forcibly walk away with Leia hand in hand. But yeah. I love how their relationship goes from bickering in the corridors, having one quick makeout session that she runs away from, to we're in a relationship. Like, I am kissing you on the forehead. I am holding your hand. We are, like, going everywhere together. I love you. I know. Basically how my relationship worked out. So, you know. Oh, there you go. So, so took the prototype and then, yeah. I mean, that's that's what you did when you and Claire met, right? Yeah. Yeah. Relationships just kind of happen. You guys were fighting for months and then (laughs) all of a sudden you were married. (laughs) I mean, like, that whole thing on Ord Mandel, you know. Uh, Um, Memories. I do want to know what what Ord Mandel was. Uh, There is a book. Is is it canon anymore? Yeah. 
I feel like it's no longer. Like it might be canon. Okay. I haven't read the the movie books for a while. Okay. Well, we'll hold that in reserve then. Um, but yes, yeah, so we introduced a Bespin in the city in the clouds, the city where you definitely won't be betrayed. Look how great <laughs> this is. Oh my. C three PO gets blown up. Um, he yeah, walks quite into. Early. Yeah, he walks into a corridor. Goes, oh, what are you doing here? Oh my goodness, no! <laughs> gets blown. Get off. Yeah, blown yeah. to bits. Um, and then, and then yeah, somehow Chewie just manages to find him. And then there's no, there's no question of betrayal or problem. Well, uh, Chewie, well, yeah. admittedly, Chewie just found him in pieces in like the smelting works of this place. Yeah. He probably just assumed that like. C-3PO either had an accident or had ended up there and got ripped apart by the pig people. That or were, were, just really mm-hmm. annoyed someone. And they went, you know <laughs> yeah. what? Uh, Screw it. Pew, yeah. pew. Chewie's like, this makes perfect sense. <laughs> it does. Um, but he, uh, he rescues... I, I've been wanting to do this to C-3PO for years. Since, since we met him. <laughs> but yeah, he rescues the bits uh, of C-3PO, takes him back to the room, but doesn't start jigsawing him back together because there's a dinner that they have to go to. Yeah, let's mm. meet the parents. So they get, uh, yeah, they get walked through uh, to oh. the dinner and Lando basically saying... Uh, yeah, this is all right. Everything's great. And I'll never betray you. Presses a button. Oh, by the way, I betrayed you. <laughs> because sat at the table, oh, at the dinner table, is Darth Vader, who stands up, deflects a couple of uh, blaster pew, pew. blasts with his hand, then force, uh, pulls the blaster away from Han. Boba Fett turns up. A whole bunch of stormtroopers tore up. And it's, care to join us for dinner. I hear you're dating my daughter. Except I, except I don't know if she's my daughter at this point. But whatever. Time to have the talk. Yeah. Um, <laughs> the thing that we notice while watching this, though, is that Darth Vader stands up from the dinner table. So he's probably been sat in there for a few minutes. He's hungry. Like... And, and Boba Fett was hiding around he's the corner. He's hiding in the corner. <laughs> Bro, bro, I've got a really, bro, I've got a really good idea. Well, sorry, what, what is it, Bob? Uh, yeah, yeah, bro. Um, so I was thinking that maybe if you sit there and look really dramatic, oh. and then they, you can like do a dramatic reveal. Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. And then, then I'll be hiding behind this corner, and then I'll just step out dramatically too, so I can have a moment of drama. That sounds really cool. Yeah. Okay, oh, and, and, I... and 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 the stormtroopers. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. They can come running in, like, just right at the end, so they can be like, yeah, put your hands up, yeah. That is really cool. Okay, what I'll do then is I'll I'll, I'll sit down. I'll sit down at the table, <laughs> Yeah, okay? yeah, yeah, good on brew, yeah. And, and then I'll, like, I'll, I won't take his gun straight away. I'll oh, just, no, 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 like, like, get the drama. Yeah. yeah, I'll just, I'll just grab, I'll just block some of the lasers first, and then... Well, I've, we've got to make sure that that's canon, so then later on, when we get to episode seven, that no one questions it. That's true, yes. I'm thinking of my grandson at this yes, point. Yes. But yes, and then I can just take the blaster off him, and then I can be all like, <clears throat> dinner is served just like you. Oh, boy, yeah! Wait, no, that line doesn't work. Hold on. <laughs> uh, oh, quick, 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 they're coming, they're coming, coming. Oh, 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 places, okay, okay, I'm going to sit down. Okay, okay. Is my cape on straight? Oh, hang on, just let me... Yeah. And oh, now it is. Thank... Oh, get, get back, get back. Oh, yeah, yeah. Shh, shopper. Pew, 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 pew. Care to join us for dinner? <laughs> Oh, <laughs> that's impossible. <you> served. <laughs> yeah, that's that's how it that's how it rolled out. I wrote, yeah. Um, quite clearly, that's what all the stormtroopers did just after the scene cut. Yeah. <laughs> so you told him, boss. Luke Luke gets visions whilst he's training on Dagobah of um of Han and Leia potentially being tortured. He also experiences uh, the cave of failure. And a bit um, of reflux know, as well. I don't, I, don't, I don't know whether this is just, once again, a disappointment because I've had like influence from later films, but like it would have been great if we could have seen a shot of Luke, and, uh, sorry, of, of, of Han and Leia in some sort of peril or noticing Darth Vader making his way. Well, like, they, did they do that in episode three? 
Mm. Um, where where Anakin has his dreams. Although obviously, mm. like a film that's a lot later, so yeah. they would have been using some of those. So, tropes, they, so they were thinking yeah. of it. They didn't quite mm. get there. In this, I, d- film. I did. I did feel that as well. Mm. I, um, even though I knew there wasn't going to be a shot there, I was like, maybe a shot here. Then, like, it's really short. It's well. It's like focus your feelings. Oh yeah, torture, quick run. Mm. It's like yeah. there's no moment for him to go. Yeah. Oh, mm, something bad is happening. I can sense it. Ooh, yeah. ooh, and, and, oh, torture. Yeah, but, but there's always just a little moment, and, and where maybe it's like because the tropes just hadn't developed enough by then to like, and and people are still kind of working out film. But yeah, it's it's interesting that you go like that's such an obvious choice to us in our day and age with with the amount of film history now but to them i guess it's just like no what we just tell them he's had a vision and he's going to go and find well it could also be a budget thing Mm -hmm. where they didn't have the budget for that and also considering you know the medium of actual film like maybe they they didn't quite have the right technology to to do that well Mm. Hmm. i don't know I think he just wanted to get away from the cave of failure. <laughs> I think, he failed so badly, think, and Yoda had ripped into him so much that yeah. it was like he went. He went to the what cre- excuse yeah. can I pull out? He went into the creepy cave. He had a fight with Darth Vader, knocked his head off. Uh, turned out to be Luke. Uh, Luke's head inside the helmet. Mm. It was like a weird, <laughs> yeah, false dream thing. Uh, and also, the place was filled with snakes. Mark Hamill doesn't like snakes, <laughs> him, so yeah. shit. I need an excuse to get out of this one. Yeah. Oh, my friends are in danger. I need to leave. Mm. The ghost of Obi Wan turns up again and goes, "No, you must complete your training, young Skywalker." And Luke goes, mm, "Yeah, nah. I'm gonna. I'm just gonna go." I'm out. And Yoda <laughs> and Obi Wan have an enormous parent moment with Luke, and just yeah, are basically disappointed parents. You get down here, young man. <laughs> Get out of that X-ray right now! You don't understand me, Mom. You're you don't grounded. understand me, Dad. I'm <laughs> leaving. And then yeah, they they off they off Luke flies, and then there's the the little bit of uh, Episode Six foreboding where it's like he was our only hope. No, was there came out kind of French? Here's another. <laughs> <clears throat> no, no, my name is no. Mm. There is another. There it is. Uh, but yeah, um, and so Luke flies off. He turns up at Cloud City. Uh, he turns up. But he's too late to rescue Han because no. Han, after being tortured by a table of pointy things, <laughs> they didn't even ask me any questions. <laughs> um, Just so inconsiderate. Yeah, uh, he is frozen in carbonite <sighs> to test if freezing someone in carbonite will kill them or not. So it's a very dramatic moment. Chewie's going the whole time. Uh, Darth have- Vader shows his carelessness for all of his cronies again when when. Mm-hmm. You- um, Chewbacca just knocks three people off the. He has platform. so many stormtroopers. Yeah. He doesn't oh, yeah. care. No. Like... Yeah, and um, you know we have the the you know pretty infamous uh, "I love you, I know" uh, scene, and then Han frozen in carbonite and taken away by Boba Fett to Jabba the Hutt. Well, just stepping back for a second, I'm starting to understand why Finn wanted to defect from the stormtroopers. Right? Yeah. Yeah, they really weren't getting yeah. up. Like, it's a really shit job. <laughs> oh, shit, man. That, that, that pay grade does not, like, justify. Yeah, <laughs> yeah getting a Wookiee raging on you and knocking you off platforms. No, right? and, not... and, and the boss doesn't even protect you. Right? Yeah. yeah. In fact, he actively stops Boba Fett <laughs> shooting him. He just grabs his uh, gun and yeah, is no. like, uh-uh-uh. Yeah. Not that which, 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 once again, like, I, I found interesting that um, Darth Vader goes out of his way to make sure that this team of people does not get killed you got to protect your kids friends like i know yeah, that yeah. i've got to uh, i've got to bring him over to my side if i kill one of his friends he's clearly never going to trust me but i can cut off his hand that's yeah, fine i gotta go gotta toe this line I, I can freeze one of them in carbonite but i can say i was luke i was just doing it to make sure that when i froze you in carbonite that it didn't kill you i'm a considerate I, dark lord i did it because i love you son <laughs> 
So Luke turns up. Uh, Han is taken away on the Slave One to be seen in a sequel film uh, mm-hmm. by Boba Fett. Um, whilst Luke is running around and um, trying to falling find quite clearly into a trap. Yeah, including uh, ignoring the fact that Leia's going, "Look, it's a trap! <laughs> Don't go uh, there! It's a trap!" And all of these doors are closing upon him, and he's just walking. Yeah, yeah let's keep going. Yeah, it's fine. <laughs> but yeah, Luke makes his way in, encounters Darth Vader, and so begins their their lightsaber fight. Uh, but while that's happening, Lando, uh, Lando has his change of heart um, and frees Chewbacca and Leia. Then Frizz Trouble gets choked by Chewbacca. Mm. Um, and Le- Leia's like, yeah, bitch, keep going. Yeah, they... Something else that I did mention in the film that I did find interesting was that I just found Luke's motivation quite interesting, that he's come back to save Han and Leia, and yet he just completely ignores what's going on with them and the stormtroopers and goes right up to Darth Vader. Yeah, he doesn't like... try to free them. No, no, he do- doesn't try to help them, I doesn't think... try to en- en- enact a, sa- a rescue attempt. Yeah. He's just like, no, no I'm going I think he did Vader. make that up. I think he made that up to get off the snake <laughs> And then he went, oh, they actually were in trouble. <laughs> oh, well. <laughs> going up to Vader. They uh, told so... me strictly not to do this, so mm. clearly this is what I must do. Mm. Uh, I'm going to disobey my parents to the max. We have the fight between Vader and um, and Luke, and it goes for it goes for a while, but it's it's pretty entertaining. It's a pretty decent fight. It's well done. Fight. We have a couple of times where Vader does the stealth move of uh, yeah. and, uh, turning off his life support just to hide around a corner and then, so yeah. extra. Yeah, and, and, then and Luke is particularly bad at ducking things, unfortunately. Yeah, yeah. like he goes the complete opposite way of the thing that's coming for him. <laughs> he, he, I'm going to go for the yeah. I can't see you. You can't throw it at me. <laughs> uh, it ends up with them on the on the platform over the giant uh, pit. They're fighting, and then uh, Vader cuts off the hand, cuts off Luke's hand, the lightsaber and the hand fall down, not to be seen mm. until episode seven. And, <laughs> um, There's a hand! High five! It, yeah, and <laughs> and then we get to pretty much pretty much the most important scene in Star Wars, mm. I think I think it's fair to say, where you it is revealed, Darth Vader says to Luke, you know, he's like, join me. Oh, sorry, I need to do the voice again. Which I've realised is very Eddie Izzard doing the, um, the Death Star Cantina, but let's just ignore that. <laughs> Join me, or or bad things will happen. Join me, and we can rule the galaxy as father and son. There we okay, go. Okay, father and son. So like, it's like a really bad father and son business. You know how like in all these um like old timey things they have like um watches. You know, so and so father and son yeah. watches. Except no, it's like <laughs> father ruling... and son galaxy. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Skywalker and son empire. Yeah. Hi, I'm uh, Anakin Skywalker. Welcome to Skywalker and Son's uh, Galaxy <laughs> just, Empire Emporium. Just out of interest, is this the first reference? To to Darth Vader just deciding he's going to bump off the Emperor and become Emperor himself? Like, because it just seems like it's... In this... In this one, like, in episode three, um, he actually mentions it pretty much as soon as he goes dark. He's like, wait a minute, no, I can betray him. We can mm. we can rule together. He says that to his wife. But in terms of stuff that's released chronologically, this is the first time. I mean, this is the yeah. film. This is the first time we know there's an Emperor. That... It just yeah. seemed very... Oh, so, oh, so, so the, the dude who he's talking to on the screen that's not... In episode four, yeah, then. he doesn't exist in episode four. In episode four. four, you have um, Grand Moff Tarkin, who's played by Peter Cushing. Who's... And who is Grand Moff Tarkin? He's, what's what's he, his position? He is in charge of the Death Star, and he definitely designed the whole thing. And is like, totally. he definitely didn't steal it from Krennic and Rogue One. But anyway, uh, <laughs> so yeah. But but like, does he have a position in the government? What's his like rank? It's not really it's not really discussed. All we're well, aware... he is called Governor Tarkin. Oh yeah, there is that. I um, so he does have some standing in the Senate. Um, which is how he knows Leia because mm. she's a senator. Although they've they've disbanded the Senate at this point. Yes. Yeah, only yeah. just though because they kept in the, the in, Senate in, in the previous 
film. Yeah, they in, just a, in episode Senate. four, right at the beginning, they they basically go, "The Senate is now useless. We don't mm-hmm. need them anymore. Yeah. Goodbye." So, but so we, we didn't know about an emperor until he mentions the emperor in this no, no, very we, scene. We, as the audience, don't know about the emperor. Oh, true. So, okay. Yeah, like it's it's never really mentioned. Oh, by the way, there's a guy who walks around in a hood going, "Yes, yes, um, <laughs> do it." Yeah, that's not mentioned at all until until we see him in this in this film. Um, although, again, that's a that's a later re- fix because originally it wasn't um, Ian Mc, 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 Mc McDiarmid. He wasn't brought in until Return of the Jedi. It mm, was interesting, and and so and, and we just get this. It just seems like a lot that they we're just throwing in this moment now of mm. Darth Vader is just gonna tell Luke that we're going to kill the Emperor and we're going to rule. And Well, it, it's more, I suppose, a reaction to the re- revealing where it's like, you know, oh, Obi-Wan never told you what happened to your father. He told me enough. He, he told, told me, me you killed him. him. No, I am your father. Dun, dun. <laughs> dun, no! dun, dun. No! So, no! so feelings, you know it to be That's true. impossible. Um, but again... Super quotable scene, as you've oh, just yeah. seen. Oh, yeah, no, it's, 100%. Yeah, yeah, and it's a very, it's still a very effective scene. Mm-hmm. It's still uh, the most effective scene yeah. in the film. No, I, I I definitely thought that it had a lot of impact. Definitely, like, the the, the swell, the, the like, it, 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 it's a very powerful moment. Hmm. And yeah. then Luke um, gets out of it by seemingly falling to his death by just dropping down the, the, the pipe, dropping mm-hmm. down the giant mm-hmm. hole. Um, uh, but gets... So uh, it's work with you or death? I choose death. I, yeah. Death. <laughs> I, mean, I think the Anakin Skywalker that was still in Darth Vader would respect the drama. He's kind of disappointed that he's not wearing a, a cloak at that point, so it could like billow dramatically as he falls. Yeah. Um, oh. But yeah, so Luke uh, gets um, pulled into one of the space vacuum tubes. Yeah, there was a very inconvenient little trap door that yeah. was set under him. Well, I presume that's, that's just gathering up trash that's loose and then it oh, yeah, it back Oh well, yeah, 100%, but yeah. just very inconvenient for Luke. Mm. And then and then he gets dropped on a, a, a weather antenna and he's hanging out at the bottom of Cloud City. As his, his hand high fives him on the way down. Yeah, it's like it's somewhere down below on Bespin, Mazkanad is just there with a net going, I'm going to catch you. I'm going to catch you. For <laughs> I the, cut you. Yeah, for, the, for, the, for about 30 years from now, this will be this Does will it be important. Does make sense? Um, but yes, the so we, we, have, we have those events occur. Um, we have Lando and Leia and Chewie and R2 who finds the others and C-3PO all end up back on the Falcon and they fly away but then Luke does a, a force connection with, with Leia Skype call yeah, yeah, yeah brain Skype call mm-hmm. Leia's like I know where Luke is I, I magically know where he is quick let's turn the Falcon around they turn the Falcon around they rescue Luke and then they escape because R2 apparently spoke to one of the computers and figured out that the hyperdrive needed turning on so he does that <laughs> they escape and that's basically the film. The film really? kind of just ends with um, Luke getting his new robot hand and... Um, Lando stealing Han's clothes. Yeah, Lando yeah, wearing <laughs> Han's clothes. Lando assuming the role of Han yeah. Yeah, without, without okay, really telling anyone else. That also does happen again in uh, episode seven and eight when um, Finn steals Poe's clothes. Oh, thank Because right, he yeah. has no clothes as a stormtrooper. Uh, so Poe's like, I guess my boyfriend needs some, some clothes. Have my jacket. You look great. Have the rest of my he clothes He didn't say too. have my jacket. As I remember it, their ship had crashed and he was holding the jacket as the ship sank into the sand. And so, he, yeah. But, you know, and then he 
totally like checks him out when he's wearing yeah. it. Yeah. Oh, he lets him keep it. OMG, that looks sexy on um, him. But like. yeah, I just just basically because of all of the stuff that's been going on with Lando before and wanting to like to take take, take Han's girl and and and, and, ta- and take the Millennium Falcon back. He's basically just stepping into the role of being like, well, Han's gone. I guess like I'm just Han in now. case, like when they did Episode Six, they were considering um, killing off Han. Oh, well, um, mostly because Harrison Ford was like, I, I don't really want to do another one of these, and they they so that's why he gets frozen in carbonite. But they could have done it where Han never got rescued. They mm. they could have done it where he stayed in Carbonite forever. So they had to like totally renegotiate the contract to make sure that they got him back. So otherwise, Lando was there mm. to sort of step into that. And Billy uh, and Billy D. Williams, who plays Lando, um, did audition for the role of Han when for the first film. Oh, interesting. Yeah, and, and then what, they kind of went like, "Well, we're not going to cast you in this, but yeah." <laughs> when, Hang when, about. Yeah, when the character of Lando came up, it was like George Lucas is probably there going, "Oh yeah, this that seems like a, a good idea. Uh, can we get that Billy De Williams on the phone, <laughs> George? It's Billy D Williams. Oh, okay, De Williams. That sounds like I'm gonna write <laughs> this. I'm gonna write this in my name book, <laughs> along with Jabba and Death Sticks. <laughs> <laughs> Just my good idea book. <laughs> And that is how the film ends. It ends with our heroes not quite all together, not not wrapped up like A New Hope, but ready to go for, for one more film to try you and know what? wrap this whole thing up. For some reason, I mean, like, maybe it's just the case of that for so, so often when you get trilogies, um, there is that fear that your movie won't take off, that'll be a flop and you won't get a second. But it always seems to be the common formula that the um, the first film has quite a tight little bow on it. It wraps up as its own piece. And then the second and third film is always two-parter. There's lots of things left hanging and, and, and lots lots to carry on to. Well, that was film. even an issue with Lord of the Rings. Like when Fellowship was um, released, they it was... It was still in it's kind of like an indie film almost. Like they they had no money. They mm. um had a lot of reshoots they still need to do for the second and third film. Like the way it was standing, those two films, it was gonna be a mess. Like it was gonna be the most awful thing if they couldn't get the money but to not, continue. They, they took a massive risk mm. with with but but I suppose because they have to go off the story that's already there, but but with having something that wasn't tied in a bow, there's mm. so much left hanging in yeah. in, the, in the Fellowship of the Ring. And so. like you could see where they suddenly got a bit more money, where they could um redevelop some things and rework some things. But yeah, if um it hadn't taken off, they were just gonna release what they had. Um, for the second two films as like a, a straight-to-video because that was when VHSs <laughs> were a thing. Um, so it was going to have a straight-to-video release and it was just going to be the worst thing ever. Oh, jeez. Yeah, just imagine. Yeah, before uh, all the reshoots. Would have never gotten the Academy Award. Oh, Is there a VHS big enough to hold <laughs> the whole of a Lord of the Rings? Oh, well, geez. actually, um, not all of them are on VHS because by the time Return of the King came out, mm. VHS has kind of gone down the toilet. So yeah. it was never released. So you can get the first two on VHS but not the third one. Okay. I do have the first one on VHS, but not the second one. Would you guys like some trivia? Yeah. Yay! Let's trivia! see what we don't know. Okay, so this trivia is all taken from IMDb, so if the accuracy is uh, not quite there, it's their fault. <laughs> uh, let's start with one of the most commonly known bits of trivia. Security surrounding this film was so intense... Uh, that George Lucas had regular reports about leaks from actors. George was so determined that the ending be kept secret that he had David Prowse, who was the guy inside the Darth Vader suit, uh, he said the line, Obi-Wan killed your father, instead of I am your father, um, so that it wouldn't get out. And it was later dubbed in with I am your father. 
only five people knew about the ending before the film's release. George Lucas, you know, because he wrote it. Um, uh, well, he, and he also took over the major screenwriting after the death of uh, Lee Brackett, who wrote the first draft. Um, the director, Irvin Kirshner. Uh, the writer, Lawrence Kasdan. Mark Hamill, who was told just before they shot the scene. Literally whispered mm. in his ear and then told go. Oh, cool. And uh, James Earl Jones, who was obviously supplying yeah. the voice. Yeah. And he believed that when he read that, he thought, well, Darth Vader must obviously be lying. So he, he presumed that in the third film it was going to be revealed as a lie, and it wasn't. Interesting. Hmm. That's, that's, that's Infinity Wars. Listen to this. This is how you keep your spoilers. <laughs> <laughs> oh, see, but I think just... I think Infinity War and Marvel is very good at, like, there'll be things that might leak, but they're very good at playing with their audience mm-hmm. and being like, you thought this was going to happen. We're going to get close to it, but then we're not going to do it. Mm. Mm. Yes, we should say we're recording this, like, in the like immediate aftermath of the release of Infinity Wars, and only Justin has seen that film yeah, in this room. And it is an enormous burden to try and keep it all in. <laughs> well, you're doing very good so <laughs> Yeah, you've, you've done so well. Like, yes. I, I don't know anything. Continue, though, or we will have to, <laughs> we will have to kill you. <laughs> Uh, David Prowse uh, was unaware, obviously, that Darth Vader was uh, Luke Skywalker's father and was very upset with George Lucas and said his physical acting would have been completely different had he known what the real line was going to be. I mean, like... I don't feel like it made a difference. I don't feel like it would have made a difference. I mean, the thing with Darth Vader is his his physical acting is always so different to what's being said, and it's always hilarious. Like, there's this (laughs) thing where he's, he's like, shaking his finger, and you're like, that's not a shaking finger line. Mm. Or, like, he's standing with his hands on his hips, and you're like, that's that's not a hands-on-hips line. Where we're calling over a general or a a captain, and he's standing right in front of us, and there's no point in calling him over. General Veers, oh, you're right behind me. Um, having fr- having Han Solo frozen in carbonite uh, was, uh, as we said before, um, a manoeuvre that they did because they weren't sure if they were going to get Harrison Ford for the third film. Uh, Carrie Fisher and Mark Hamill were signed for three pic- three picture deals, but Harrison Ford hadn't. He'd refused. Um, and, Ed, of course, had requested that George Lucas kill off Solo since the character had already played his part. Uh, of course... Um, he he didn't because he's in episode six. So yeah, I, I, it's just, it is an interesting one thinking about what these films would have been like had Han Solo not returned after this. Well, they were supposed to be really dark. Like mm. I remember reading one story about episode six where um, the original screenwriter and producer had a really dark and tragic ending, um, which George Lucas obviously hated and decided mm-hmm. um, wasn't it wasn't going to happen that way. So this guy got fired and like the script got completely changed from like everything being dark and tragic and awful to, no, it's a kid's movie, you know, end happily. Hmm. In order to avoid sharing creative rights, George Lucas decided to uh, not use a major stu- studio to finance the film. He bankrolled the, sorry, he bankrolled the 18 million production himself using a combination of his profits from the previous film uh, as well as uh, a bank loan. It was a risky move, but obviously has paid off several times over. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Lucas recovered his investment inside three months of the first release of the film. Uh, he then showed gratitude far beyond the Hollywood norm by sharing the profits with his employees, nearly $5 million in bonuses. Jeez. That's pretty great. That's mm. pretty like, amazing. We all make jokes you about would... George Lucas, you know. And his being... voice. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, that's a pretty nice You would nice want to work thing. for that guy yeah. who gives you $5 million in bonuses. Mark Hamill had to bang his head 16 times on the ceiling in Yoda's hut before the director, <laughs> Irvin Kirshner, was satisfied. <laughs> <laughs> it's kind of like the, the slap, the episode oh, 8 slap, man. which mm. happened like 26 times. Yeah. 
Uh, when shooting on location in Fintz in Norway, a severe snowstorm hit the hotel where the cast and crew were staying. This would have normally halted filming, but the director, uh, Irvin Kirshner, thought these weather conditions were an excellent opportunity to film the scene where Luke wanders through the cold after escaping the Wampa Cave. Oh, he did this by sending Mark Hamill out into the cold while he and the cameraman filmed from the hotel's front door. <laughs> <laughs> Dick move. Oh my god. I love it. It worked though. Oh, yeah, but like, God, that's so awful to your actor. Mm. Yeah, it's unfortunate. Yeah. Mm. Um, with the exception of being sucked out of the Cloud City window, Mark Hamill did all of his own stunts. Which like means cool. that he did that front flip. Oh, son of a bitch. Mm-hmm. <laughs> oh, it's a really cool flip. Mm-hmm. Like, every time he does those flips, I'm like, yeah. All right. And no one what believes a guy. it. <laughs> but yeah, no, he did, he did all his own stunts. Um, what a talented guy. George Lucas was so impressed by Frank Oz's performance as Yoda that he spent thousands of dollars on an advertising campaign to try and get him an Oscar nomination for Best Supporting Actor. Uh, Lucas's campaign failed because it was felt that a puppeteer wasn't an actor. Well, they did the same Rude. thing with Andy Serkis mm. as Gollum. Like, he wasn't considered an actor at that time for Ugh. his portrayal of Gollum because, you know, that it's more technology. But, of course, these Which days is... it, w- it will be yeah, right. considered and, 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 and considering, like, he's portrayed so many CGI characters, like... It, mm. that, that he's just, finally getting recognition yeah, these that days. that just seems crazy, you know, mm. that... that yeah. 15 years ago, yeah, mm. um, t- 12 years ago even, like like that the people weren't considering that to be acting, mm. considering what he was doing on set behind and the And the changes in technology and the you know the stuff that could not have occurred if he wasn't there, mm. just like Frank Oz, like the stuff that could not have yeah. occurred if he wasn't there. Although uh, Frank Oz didn't honestly care. Uh, that's the other thing is Lucas was very strong about this and Frank Oz was like, meh. <laughs> <laughs> I, don't, I don't need this. <laughs> Um, during the filming of the Battle of Hoth, the Echo-based troops were actually Norwegian mountain rescue skiers, um, mostly Norwegian extras, of course. So, uh-huh. uh, yeah, they were mostly people who worked in the area. Uh, in exchange for their participation, Lucasfilm made a donation to the Norwegian Red Cross. Oh, nice. Mark Hamill was having trouble with the Dagobah scenes with Yoda because it was a bit of a difficult work environment. So Frank Oz brought him in the Miss Piggy puppet to make him laugh. Yeah. So he performed some of the scenes with the Miss Piggy puppet. <laughs> There's some great photos of that. I'm I just, would just love <laughs> you, you just want, just yeah. just pulling pu- pu- pulling out the Miss Piggy um, attitude mm. while doing some of those scenes. That'd be and, amazing. Which just yeah. like I don't believe it. That's why you failed. <laughs> <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, one of George Lucas's goals in doing a Star Wars sequel was to become financially independent from Hollywood. He succeeded. Yay! Uh, we, for both good and ill, though. Yeah. Um, uh, but yeah. you know what? I don't know. I think I think for for good or for bad, it's good. It's it's good that he went and took his own path, became an innovator, and tried something different. Because all too often, everything that we see then come and, mm. and which is, I guess, why Star Wars has so much appeal because it's trying to do something different. Mm. And it, it's definitely had a major impact on film since then. Mm-hmm. I mean, the reason we have things like Avengers Infinity War and sequels upon sequels within franchises is because of the success of Star Wars. You just didn't really get big franchise successes outside of, like, the James Bond films. Mm. Mm. Well, yeah. I'm going to be my Lord of the Rings note again, is um, back when they were originally in the planning stages of Lord of the Rings, they actually, a team of them 
went to um, to Lucasfilms and spent quite a bit of time um, with the team there, um, sort of picking up tricks of the trades that which they then used on Lord of the Rings. So mm. they went on and they took the technology that they were using and then altered it themselves. So it's like these two huge franchises mm-hmm. that went, you know what, we're going to innovate. We're going to take from this innovative group and then we're going to do even more with that. So, you know, I like that there's like these little indie people mm-hmm. going out and doing that and making blockbusters. Yoda's iconic manner of speech um, has the parts of speech in object, subject, verb, order. Uh, very few languages on Earth use lists, and most of them are based in the Amazon. Oh, well, I guess Amazon that's, a, that's a nice little, um, I guess, reference to, to the location. Yeah. yeah. Uh, coincidentally, Jim Henson, who was friends with George Lucas, was offered the role of Yoda. Um, Henson turned it down because he was busy making... The Great Muppet Caper, in, which was released in 1981. Sarah just there going, yep, that was the right career choice. <laughs> no, I'm sitting there going, I knew this. Yeah, uh, uh, but he did recommend Frank Holtz, who obviously yeah. then became But I mean, at, at the same time, like, you know, he's Jim Henson. Does he really need any more accolades? Like, he's already, like the whole company is, is Plus, is Star him. Wars did spend time, some time with the Muppets. Like, yeah. you know, especially mm. Mark Hamill spent a lot of time with the Muppets. Mm. Um, just doing little things with them. So, you know. Yeah, yeah they had a good crossover. Yeah. yeah. Um, originally in the asteroid scene, one of the asteroids was actually a shoe. Uh, yeah. The, the rumor is that George Lucas asked the SFX people to redo the scene so many times they got annoyed and one of them threw in his or her shoe. This has been removed in subsequent versions. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God, I would love to see that original. Oh. In the DVD commentary, Carrie Fisher relates that during some of the London filming, she stayed at a house rented from Eric Idle. Yes, she did. This is the Eric Idle story. Idle and the Pythons were filming Life of Brian at the same time. Uh, One evening, Idle had a small party, which included Harrison Ford and the Rolling Stones. Um, They served a potent liquor, which the Pythons had been distributing to extras on their film to help boost morale. Good morale officers. Mm. Um that he then referred to as Tunisian table cleaner. Uh, They stayed up most of the night drinking and having fun. The first scene shot the next day with the arrival in Cloud City, um, which he says helps explain why she and Ford were so happy in those scenes. (laughs) Idol uh, is said to have been pleased that he had a small hand in how Empire Strikes Back turned out. (laughs) Because, like, they're kind of giggly in in, in that scene a little bit, and Mm. you can see them, like, trying to, like, really stifle that. Oh, dear. Mm. But yeah, Eric Idle just getting up to mischief there. <laughs> uh, George Lucas initially called this the worst Star Wars film. Um, uh, he he just did not think it was working, and he apologised for its its existence. He changed his Jesus. mind. Uh, okay, did this include a time when the Star Wars Christmas special existed? I believe so. Yeah. Mm. So this was worse than the Star Wars Christmas special, which I can't get five minutes in without turning it off. Mm. Wow. Yeah, we, we're not going to subject you to that, Justin. Just know that it exists and that oh it shouldn't. But but about... Once again, is, the, is this just a case of, like, everyone always seems to feel like the second movie in the franchise is the worst movie because it ends unfinished and it's got, like... Like and th- th- there's there's always that dissatisfaction of of there's so many plot points that aren't going on. There's, it, it, I it, love it feel, second it, be, it feels like a crutch to the final mm-hmm. film, like, but... I didn't feel I I didn't feel like it played out like that compared to other um, second films in a franchise. I felt like it stood up on its own quite well, mm. and the arc actually, um, the 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 arc um, and the, the yeah the arc of the plot generates quite well on its own without mm. needing the third film to to bring it to a sense of finality. I yeah. think I think that's fair. The sound of Darth Vader's shuttle door opening is reportedly a recording 
of the whole block of Alcatraz cell doors slamming shut at the same time. Nice. <laughs> That's a cool noise. Love it. Um, an oft-quoted myth is that the Wampa attack on Luke was devised to explain the actual scars on Mark Hamill's face because he had been involved in a car crash. Uh, and had had to have reconstructive surgery. Hamill did indeed survive a serious car crash in 1977, but did not have any visible scars by the time Empire began filming over two years later. So, a little bit of false trivia busted there, I guess. Mm -hmm. In an early outtake, when Vader entered the Hoth base, he tripped over a cable and fell down face first. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, I would love to see that. (laughs) Dun, 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 dun. (laughs) Who put this cable here? (laughs) Oh. Rebels, <laughs> <laughs> um, The early scenes where R2-D2 were submerged in the mud pool were shot in George Lucas's unfinished swimming pool. Um, uh, most of the crew were hidden under the water and the entire sequence was shot by George himself. George Lucas decided that a battle on an ice planet was necessary because he felt that it was easy to, quote, cheat in space because the background was black and you can hide errors easily. With a white background, the effects crew had to work much harder and the effects would therefore be more impressive. (laughs) Ha! Literally, he's just like, I want people to be more impressed with how well we did, so I'm going to give them the hardest environment possible. But the Battle of Hoth, I think, stands out as... For me, at least, when I think Star Wars original trilogy, I go to the Battle of Hoth. Mm. I don't go to either of the Death Star fights. No, no. I think I think it was really good. I mm. think it worked really well. I don't know why you wanted to make a really challenging scene, but why but not it make it challenging? <laughs> but it it what whatever they did, they made it work really well. Mm. So. Mm-hmm. During principal photography, it was unclear whether Sir Alec Guinness was going to return as Obi-Wan Kenobi. He had just had an eye operation at the time. When he finally did agree, and um, he worked just one day. That day was Wednesday, September the 5th, 1979. He arrived at 8.30am and completed his scenes by 1pm. He was paid a quarter percentage of the film, worth millions of dollars. Jesus Christ. For, like, five and a half, five, no, less than that. Four and a half hours work. I bet he's glad he took Unbelievable. that. Unbelievable. Well, he was glad for the money, but people kept coming up to him going, uh, oh, Obi-Wan, Obi-Wan. He's like, God, for God's sake, I was in the man in white. Why does nobody discuss this? <laughs> uh, um, of the original six Star Wars films, this is the one that George Lucas had the least involvement with. It is considered to be the best film in the saga. <laughs> Very sassy trivia point here. Oh, man. <laughs> well, I mean, what I love about um, the original trilogy is that a lot of the script, his original script, was changed by the cast. I mean, Carrie Fisher became a script doctor. Mm. Because of her involvement in this, Harrison Ford would just ad-lib lines because he hated the way they were written, so he just made stuff up. And at first, Mark Hamill would be like, uh, uh, Mr. George Lucas, sir, uh, do you mind if I change? And George Lucas would be like, no, how dare you? It's a masterpiece. Until Harrison Ford was like, hey, kid, come over here. Just like... Just make it up. Just, like, do your own thing. He won't even notice. So Mark Hamill started ad-living too and was never told off for it. There you go. This is the only film for which the entire Millennium Falcon was built life-size in the the original trilogy. Uh, Only half of it was built for episode four, and um, there was a small part of that which was used for a deleted sandstorm scene Mm -hmm. in episode six. This, This version measured 65 feet in diameter, 16 feet in height, um, and was over 80 foot in length. It weighed 23 tons. That's a, that's a giant prop that you got to then move around afterwards. Mm. 
Uh, it's probably why they didn't use it again for uh, no. <laughs> the Return of the Jedi. <laughs> but you know, I mean, it looked it looked great. I hope someone yeah. still got that. Oh, I it's, like. <laughs> it's a little hard to hide in someone's back room, though. I mean, it's clearly, like, just going to be in, in in some storage warehouse somewhere in Lucasfilms. That's just... my house now. <laughs> I like to think that it was somehow either like chucked out or stolen, but now there's like some some. Uh, some like squatters living in it, just and like, like bits and pieces have been sold on the black market. <clears throat> yeah. Hey, you want to buy some death sticks? <laughs> and by death sticks, I mean uh, the console from <laughs> the original Star Wars. See the uh, the buttons; they don't work properly. Yeah, uh, it's as just Yoda... like real ship. <laughs> <laughs> as Yoda and Obi Wan urge Luke to stay on Dagobah to finish his training, Luke pulls a snake from his spaceship. Uh, Irving Kirshner assured Mark Hamill that the snake was harmless, but it did bite him during one of the takes. <laughs> Uh, Mark Hamill's wife uh, also gave birth to their third son, Nathan, uh, during the filming. Uh, It was early in the morning, and Mark went straight from the hospital to shooting. On that day, uh, it was one of the shots where he was climbing out the snow snow speeder. Um, He performed the stunt of getting out of it before it was crushed and managed to break his thumb. (laughs) Oh, dear. So a very productive, busy day for Mark Hamill that day. Um the 2004 DVD released the scene with Darth Vader and the Emperor was altered so that Ian McDermott was now playing the Emperor as he does in all the other films. In the original version of the scene, the Emperor was played by a hooded old woman with superimposed chimpanzee eyes and the voice of Clive Reville. That's why it looks different. Yeah. Like, I'm thinking back to my childhood memories going, I remember those, those big eyes being like... Mm. That's because they were superimposed chimpanzee eyes. Okay, now I know. Yeah. Ah, uh, that's just. Where do you pull that from? You know, you know what will look extra evil? Chimpanzee yeah. eyes. They're the most evil of the apes. Uh, what, what eyes have we got lying around? Um, what ch- chimp? Yeah, chimp will do. Uh, yeah, <laughs> I guess. Um, the Dagobah set was elevated to give Frank Oz and the three other puppeteers room to control the Yoda puppet. For proper interaction, Mark Hamill was given an earpiece so he could hear Oz doing Yoda's voice. But on numerous occasions, Irvin Kirshner would give directions to the puppet of Yoda instead of giving them to Frank. <laughs> and so Frank would have to go, I'm down here. <laughs> <laughs> oh, but, you know, it, it, it just it shows that no one is immune to, to the belief in puppets and, 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 and to taking them in. And so, like... I feel like I'm immune. Just going to put that out there. Oh, no, see, see, like, I mean, having worked with puppets and even, like, like when you go out into the schools and once you... Even once you walk out... Uh, for, for context, I've worked for Constable Care um, for a year previous. Um, but even when you walk out from behind the screen and you're holding the puppet and you're talking, everyone looks at the puppet. They don't care what, that you're standing there. Everyone's looking right at the puppet. It's and because what you've, doing. you've created the universe and now they believe in it. It's a fascinating yeah. thing, audience reception. It's very mm-hmm. interesting. Yeah. Uh, the director, Irvin Kirshner, decided that for this movie, members of the Rebel Alliance would speak with American accents and Imperial officers with British ones. Uh, he wanted to make the story analogous to the American Revolution. Um, but most of the supporting cast on Hoth were British actors. Um, so <laughs> oh, they, fun they, challenge. Yeah, so they were dubbed in post-production. Um, <laughs> I love how many people were dubbed in Star Wars. Jeez. It's like, you may be in this film, but your voice is never... Nah. <laughs> yeah, pretty impressive. Um, it just means you've got to pay twice the people. That seems right? pointless. Yeah, it's, it's, they could afford it. <laughs> the yeah. blizzard the blizzard in the Hoth scenes uh, is a real blizzard. No effects were used. Harrison Ford couldn't actually arrive to the filming location on the regular train, so he had to get to the site on a snowplow. 
that's yeah, dedicated. that doesn't surprise me at all. That's a very Harrison Ford kind of image. Yeah, pretty much. This is a guy who like managed to crash land his plane on a golf course and yeah. survive. So you know he's he's pretty impressive. And this is a guy who like he he does a film and like he hires someone's shed to stay in there during filming. And they you know once he's gone, they turn up to look at their shed and he's fixed everything. He's like done carpentry like throughout the whole thing and like added money. Just be like, oh yeah, thanks for keeping me. Except you know now your doors are level and you know I've, I've refurbished everything. You're welcome. After various increases in budget, the film became one of the most expensive of its day and the bank was threatening to pull its loan. Uh, George Lucas was then forced to approach 20th Century Fox. Uh, Lucas made a deal with the studio to ensure a loan in exchange for paying uh, the studio more money, but without the loss of his sequel and merchandising rights. After the film's box office success, unhappiness at the studio over the deal's generosity to Lucas caused studio president Alan Ladd Jr. to quit. The departure of Alan Ladd, who was Lucas's longtime ally, meant that he then took a little film called Raiders of the Lost Ark to Paramount Studios instead of Fox. <laughs> Oops. Oh, dang. <laughs> yeah. The Imperial at 80s um, were all animated using stop motion techniques, except for the scenes where they fall over. Um, they were filmed in real time on high speed cameras with precision time mini pyrotechnic charges. Yep. They actually blew them up. Yeah. Well, looked, that's very cool. And look really good. So, yeah, yeah. they, they yeah. did a really, really good job on that. Although some quite odd, odd explosions or, or odd, odd reasons for explosions when the um, armor is impenetrable while they're standing, but mm. it's just, it, it's easily blown up by phaser shots when it's fallen over. Yeah, it's, ba- it's basically powered by uh, embarrassment. <laughs> you know what? If, I, if I'd fallen over like that, I'd blow up in embarrassment too. <laughs> The lightsaber fight scenes, uh, sorry, the lightsaber fight scenes set in the carbon freezing chamber focus more on Luke. This is because during many of the shots, Bob Anderson, who was Vader's fight double, wasn't wearing the helmet because it was difficult for him to breathe and move in the hel- in the he suit. He was at the, same time. the best fight like person trainer for film ever. He was fantastic. He trained Errol Flynn and Viggo Mortensen. Yeah. It was so cool. The at 80s, as I'm now calling them for the rest of time, uh, were inspired by the walking machines from H.G. Wells's War of the Worlds, and their appearance was based on gantry cranes that were used in shipping ports in the USA. Their walking patterns were um, based on elephants, and they actually studied elephants for a while to try and get those movements to mm-hmm. look as, I guess, as natural as possible, or at least make sense. Mm. Yeah, and so, so that they, they were developed from the natural world, I guess. Mm. And finally... Uh, Jeremy Bullock, who uh, was Boba Fett, he wore the Boba Fett suit. Uh, when he first put on the costume, uh, you may notice the. You, I think you noticed it, Justin. There was like the 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 fair yeah, braid. It was a. It, well, it, there was like a Wookiee scalp on his shoulder. Oh, it's a Wookiee scalp. Yeah. Um, Jeremy Bullock didn't really know what it was and assumed it was a hairpiece, and so he wore it as a wig under the helmet the first <laughs> time he wore the costume. <laughs> Oh, it's beautiful. Yeah, so... Uh... <laughs> yes. It seems kind of pointless if mm. it's a wig underneath the helmet. <laughs> Maybe he was going to take the helmet off. Uh, he didn't know. Yeah, you're no good to me, bald. <laughs> and one final, final bit of trivia I didn't touch on. Uh, the spacesuit worn by the lizard bounty hunter Bosk was previously used in Doctor Who. It's actually part of a Cyberman suit from The Tenth Planet, William Hartnell's last episode as the first Doctor. Oh, that's great. I love yeah. that. How it ended up in uh, a long time ago in a galaxy far, far away, hmm. we'll never know. Black well, hole. time travel and timey-wimey stuff. It just you know. fell through a black hole. Yeah, that's fine. Yeah. 
I just I'm now envisaging something where Bosk fought some like original <laughs> Cybermen from Mondas, and it's more pleasing than it should be. It's so. a good image. <laughs> yeah. Oh man. So. With all that in mind, <laughs> let's score the film. Uh, Justin, you are our first time watcher. What score would you give The Empire Strikes Back out of 10? Oh, um, well, I guess... I mean, like, I, I think because I didn't come to it as a child, I think I think there are flaws that I see in it. But like I said, I think, I think the story development is strong. And I think in the end, it, it does come out as quite an enjoyable romp. So I will give it... Um, six, um, sassy Yodas out of ten. Okay. Sarah, uh, it's the umpteenth time for you watching it. Mm -hmm. What would you give it? Well, you know, I've got that whole, you know, childhood nostalgia thing with it. And, you know, sometimes I go back to old films from my childhood and I get bored watching it. Mm. Like episode four in the first half hour, I kind of do get a little bit bored. Uh, but this one is amazing and wonderful. So I am going to give it... Eight and a half um, dramatic dinners out of ten. <laughs> I I had a lot of fun, but I feel like more and more I'm getting fun from things outside of the film mm. than the film itself. Um, it's it's still a good film. It's still up there in the Star Wars films, but um, I'm not sure if it's the best one for me. I, it's because Rogue One is. I was going to say Return of the Jedi, actually. <laughs> Uh, although I'm aware that all the Star Wars films have flaws. I don't think there is a Star Wars film which the is floor like... floor is lava. Yeah, I don't think there is a, a perfect Star Wars film. Um, even Rogue really One has its problems. <laughs> even you would admit Rogue One has its problems. It has its problems, yeah. but it's still amazing. Yeah, but and some films are just problems. Uh, this, <laughs> But this film is very, very good. And I think, even though I'm not going to give it like a 10 out of 10 score, I still think it is... I think it's maybe the best film at being a Star Wars film. Um, I think it's it is interesting, and so I'm going to give it seven and a half redacted chimpanzee eyes <laughs> out of ten. So uh, yes, uh, that is all for this uh, Star Wars episode. Uh, we hope that uh, you at home have a wonderful May the Fourth, and that uh, May the Fourth be with you, Justin, and you, and you, and also with you. Uh, so Justin and Sarah, thank you very much for joining me on this episode. You're very welcome. <laughs> and for those of you listening at home, thank you very much for listening in. We are available ooh, in so many, many ways. You can find us on SoundCloud, iTunes, or any other podcasting or podcatching service. Just search for the Cinema Catch-Up Club there. Subscribe so that you get an episode each week. And leave us a couple of reviews as well. Even if you think mm, it was a 6 out of 10 like Justin. Uh, you know, you leave us reviews. Just let us know what you think. Um... We, we can also be found on Facebook. Just search for the Cinema Catch-Up Club there. We have uh, new episodes posted there every week. We also have information about upcoming films, particularly uh, films that you get to help us choose with the film polls. So uh, make sure that you go there and check out what you can vote on. And, of course, uh, if you wish to become a Patreon and an official member of the club, uh, then you can find us at patreon.com forward slash CCUC podcast. But that's all. So until next time... Goodbye, everybody. You have been listening to a Thought Jar Productions podcast. For more information, please visit thoughtjarproductions.com.